0: Hi, it's Mofire. And Jesse Bernstein of MoFire Documentary
1: and Crypto Mofia's NFT. The story of how I smuggled myself through Africa with only my music in search of a better life. You're
0: listening to The Edge of NFT, a great podcast that features meaningful projects all the damn time. Stay tuned.
2: Hey, all you NFT curious listeners. Check out today's episode to learn how a daring escape from the congo has led to one of the most compelling stories and nft
3: projects of today how today's guest is making the tough decision about which songs will make it into his launch into outer space
4: and how never selling anything but giving everything away can be your best sales strategy all this and more on today's episode enjoy and remember nftla is coming up march
2: 28th to the 30th it will be an unforgettable experience featuring the creme de la creme in the NFT space. Head on over to nftla.live to get your tickets as early as possible for the best pricing. And if you or someone you know wants to partner with us to co-create this special unforgettable experience, there are still opportunities to get involved. They're also going fast. So please reach out at contact at edgeofnft.com. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney and Josh Krieger
4: Today's sponsored spotlight episode features Mermans Mofaya Mosengo and Jesse Bernstein of the Mofaya documentary and Crypto Mofaya's NFT project. A little bit about Mofaya. After losing his father and brother to corrupt armed forces in the Congo, Mermans Mofaya Mosengo had no choice but to escape. The Mofaya documentary is a real-life epic adventure about how Mofaya smuggled himself from country to country in trains, engine rooms, and army planes. With nothing more than the guitar on his back, Mofaya's musical talent became his spiritual passport that has inspired millions of people around the world. Mofaya crossed the South African border in a gas tank and was discovered in Cape Town by a music producer while performing in a bar on Long Street. Mofaya was granted an O-1 visa, played music around the world, and his life was forever changed. In September of 2006, Mofia became the lead singer of the Playing for Change band, received his green card into the United States and currently lives in Playa del Rey, California. A bit about the filmmaker Jesse. After spending 20 years as an actor on multimillion dollar film and television sets, Jesse Bernstein transitioned to storytelling behind the camera. Jesse has written and directed spec commercials for Subaru as well as a handful of short films before documenting the courageous journey of mermans mofia mosango it's really great to have you both on the podcast welcome guys
2: Yeah, man. thank you so much great to be here quite a story there i'm really excited to be able to dive in on this thing and so let's do that right now let's start at the beginning and talk to us about how the idea for the mofia documentary came about and then how that led to the cryptomofia's project
0: well the mofia documentary came about we mermans um, has living off of an O-1 visa. He's been traveling and playing music around the world, thanks to Playing for Change. But Mark Johnson, the founder of Playing for Change, is my neighbor here in Venice Beach. So when Mermans was traveling around, he'd be sleeping on Mark's couch. And for the past eight years or so, Mermans and I have become like brothers. And so we were by Muscle Beach in Venice doing pull-ups and push-ups with my dog, you know, boxing and stuff. We're walking back from our morning workout and he received a message on his phone that he had just received his green card and we stood there. It was almost like the world had stopped spinning on its axis. We were there and it was just like, everything felt like it was just, we were in the right place at the right time. And I looked over at Merman's and I said, we need to make a movie about your life. And we couldn't really wrap our brains around what that was going to look like at the time. But we knew Mermans was telling me that he had to go back to South Africa. To get my wife and kids and stuff and bring them over. He was planning on going back to South Africa where his wife and kids were living. And I had to pitch the idea first to Mark Johnson. So we walked back to his living room and I told him the idea is, look, I think we should make a documentary about Mermans. And he was kind of lukewarm on the idea. I said, yeah, sounds cool but i think his plate was too full that weekend mark had to travel to seattle and mermans and i were kind of left alone in the house and i wrote a treatment and uh, we put together a video teaser and then when he came back from seattle i said what about now and he saw everything that we were thinking about doing and he gave me the seed money to travel back to south africa with mermans and that's how the documentary got started wow.
2: You mentioned the O-1 visa, and we know just how difficult it is for folks to get visas. If anyone's ever tried or had family members, it's it's an arduous process. And this one is special and I just wanted to read the definition of it here from the USCIS.gov site here. The O-1 non-immigrant visa is for the individual who possesses extraordinary ability in the sciences, arts, education, business, or athletics, or who has a demonstrated record of extraordinary achievement in the motion picture or television industry and has been recognized nationally or internationally for those achievements. So that's a rare class to be uh, categorized in and a special visa to achieve. So uh, a pretty awesome accomplishment there. So anyway, just an aside ah, there. So. Beautiful. Yeah. Amazing. Now you got the documentary and we mentioned Cryptomafia's is the NFT project. So how is this related and how did this come about as well? Well, the NFT
0: project being in Venice, I feel like I'm at the crossroad of art and technology. I've been working in Hollywood for 20 years and everyone around me is in tech. They're creating blockchains. They're starting NFT galleries literally on my street. And these are my neighbors, people I talk to every day. It just came about when I was introduced to crypto a few years ago, and then in the middle of 2021, I was introduced to NFTs. And I thought, wow, we're in post-production on our film. We just got back from the Congo. And what a cool way to sort of merge these worlds and expand our community. That's pretty much how the NFT collection, the idea sort of came about was just, just by proximity of where I live and the awesome people that have been educating me
2: what a hotbed of NFT activity in LA and in particular West LA and in particular Venice Santa Monica area, right? Like forget about
4: it. It's made yeah, particularly yeah. Josh's house, which is, <laughs> we've just found out is not that far from you. <laughs>
3: right. well, a lot of the action goes on at Minati's coffee right by the beach and they got great coffee and a lot of NFT and crypto folks hang out there. So I always encourage people that are trying to get into this space, just come grab a coffee and meet some folks and sort of go down the rabbit hole. But let's talk a little bit more about these Cryptomafias. It's going to be 1,250. How are the folks that are listening going to be engaged with these crypto mafias? What's going on with the utility side?
0: Well, the cool thing about the project, the NFT project and the documentary is we're in post-production on the film. So tying this NFT collection into the movie is going to not only help us get to the finish line, but a portion of the proceeds are going to go toward building a music school in the Congo, in Kinshasa, where Mermans is from. We were just in Kinshasa in June of 2021. Uh, Do you want to tell uh, everyone where the music school would be in Kinshasa? It's a pretty special location.
1: Yeah, the music school is going to be in Matete. That's Matete. That's where I grew up. It's a one neighborhood in Kinshasa. And Matete is kind of, what can I say here? Essentially, it's like Compton, kind of. Oh, it's like Compton? Yeah, I kind of like a, the dangerous. Dangerous, yeah. Wow. And then you get great musicians that come out of there. You see a lot of kids on the streets. There's a lot of poverty. And I struggled a lot i used to walk around everywhere with my guitar because playing music back there was very very like you lose everything becoming a musician because the country was so corrupt there's no royalty for musicians there's no nothing and then i just got my metric in math, mathematics and physics and then my mother's wish was to go and become an architect, which I think I'm an architect anyway, because music <laughs> is a building, so, you know. So yeah, when I became a musician, it was crazy. Crazy, it was a big fight between she and I, so. And then that's just one of the reasons also I had to leave, so that she could be proud of me when I come back. I believed in something nobody saw. So the school is gonna be there for those kids who were like me, who are like me right now, because I wasn't given opportunity to study or play music, but I want to give to those kids who might be in the same situation, but at least I can go to the parents and say, I'll look after them, I'll do this and I'll do that, and I'll make sure they can become great artists, they can become great bass player, guitarist, or drummer or music producer or stuff like that. So that's the idea, to yeah. go back to give what I didn't have.
4: Yeah, and I think people often underestimate the power that music has, especially for young people in sort of emotionally processing yeah. their environment, especially having that in some of these environments, like you said, the equivalent of Compton in your country, or you know, even some of the neighborhoods here in the United States where kids could really use that just as a form mm-hmm. of expression and like processing things and also just a way of communicating in the world That's that's super yeah. powerful, right? So I want to talk a little bit about the documentary again here. I know you guys are going to submit to some of these top tier festivals, Toronto, South by Southwest, Sundance, Berlin, Cannes in summer 2022. That's super exciting. Can you tell us a little bit about making the film? And uh, I guess if you have a few spoilers, we'll...
0: Mermans (laughs) is such a, a unique person and character that when I point the camera at him, I just love following him around. When we got to Cape Town originally, he pretty much said, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to shoot. He set up all the interviews. We went around Cape Town, which was a little bit dangerous for myself. Some of the neighborhoods we, were, oh, yeah. we got into, there were about five or six situations where I had to be escorted out of an area because of the danger involved. There was one time we were filming on the street. I was put in a headlock and someone grabbed my camera, but... Thankfully, we had we had quite a big contingency around us, which broke up the scene pretty, pretty quickly. But as far as the doc, when I got back from K-Town, nobody wanted to help me raise money or give me anything to help edit the movie. I literally, COVID hit, I sat in my... My editing suite, and I just taught myself how to, to edit this film. Mm-hmm. Raise some money. We went back to the Congo where Merman's is from. We shot, but this time I brought a camera crew with us, and we got some incredible, incredible footage from Merman's hometown in Kinshasa and all around. Basically, we are in post production, so we're in the third act of our completing this whole
4: project. My wife's actually a documentary filmmaker, and she's m- made some films. She's working on one right now and made some documentaries. And uh, it's interesting to see the analogies here. You know, It's really beautiful when the filmmaker has such a great relationship with the subject of the film. right? And it's kind of awkward, but it also is beautiful how you know sort of blur the boundaries of a friendship and filmmaking and subject and object and all of these things. It can really make yeah. for a great documentary.
0: As I mentioned, we're like brothers, and there's a trust factor involved. His kids call me Uncle Jesse, and, you know, I feel like I'm part of his family. When I was in Africa, both times with Mermans, I felt totally protected and safe. Despite these environments and neighborhoods we were entering, I felt protected. And there's a level of trust that we've established where it just makes it
1: work, you know, the relationship. Jesse blends quickly, wherever he goes. That's what I think You know, when we yeah. went to Cape Town... Remember that place in, in Woodstock, where we were playing in the back, like in the barn? Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, stuff? yeah. yeah. And then you see that in the, in the documentary when they come out, when we play, and then Jesse was taking a picture of me and the guys, and one of the guys were like, no, can you take a picture of Jesse with us? <laughs> so, and then if you see that picture... Jesse looks like just this kid that was <laughs> yeah. left behind in yeah, the combo. Yeah, like a white kid that was left behind. <laughs> that was left behind by his parents. They grew up there the and stuff like that. The same um, thing happened in the kitchen side as well. Yeah. So, yeah. In, in case you didn't hear, he said blends. Jesse blends.
4: Yes, uh, yeah.
0: Blended in. But I guess growing up in New York and, you know, race and color didn't mean a thing to me. All my friends were all the races in different colors. So for me, yeah,
1: it was easy to, to, assimil- to assimilate. Big time. People come help with carrying cameras. People come in and and yeah. bringing waters. People and everybody called me, "Jesse, Jesse!" So generous yes and, and welcoming. <laughs> yeah,
4: completely. I can't help but call to mind here. I'm act- actually getting through an audio book by Malcolm Gladwell where he interviews Paul Simon with his journey to South Africa, producing the music that he produced back back in that time. It sounds really interesting. I highly recommend that if people are interested in this. It's sort of the music of in musical integrations of the states and and Africa. So we talked about the construction of
2: the school when there's like so many other cool things on that roadmap. I heard something about sending music into space and some other cool stuff. Tell us more, like what's on this roadmap?
0: Part of uh, the utility of owning a Crypto Mofias is, is we're going to go to some of these top tier festivals and we're going to throw parties. Mofias is going to be playing in everywhere we go because you give him a guitar. and. But also there'll be unlockable content from his music and downloads. Also just being a part of this community and we're playing for change. Music lovers, documentary film lovers, People who want to experience an incredible story and uh, this man's journey is unlike any journey I've ever heard in my entire life. But as far as our roadmap is concerned, so after we submit to festivals this summer... I had when I was at Art Basel in, in Miami this past like about a month or so ago. I was at a SpaceX party and I was just like in awe, surrounded by astronauts and everyone who's at whole space. Everyone's getting into NFTs, and I met an awesome NFT collector, and her name is Mary Liz, and and she is the photographer and filmmaker, does all the launches of SpaceX. And when I told her Mofia's story and his music and where he's come from. She said, you know what? I've got an idea. Why don't we launch his music from Cape Canaveral at the end of 2022 so his music will be floating in space for all of eternity? And I said, I'm floored.
1: Oh, yeah. I'm floored. How did you feel about that? I mean, I wouldn't believe that. I went back to the Apollo 11, (laughs) Armstrong and stuff like that. I was like, no way. But now we're figuring out what music actually we're
0: going to launch in the space. So we'll be very discerning.
2: That's what I was going to ask. It's there forever, man. I mean, it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's out there. That's,
1: that's definitely going to be some very, very traditional Congolese, deep in the jungle kind of music.
4: Amazing. That's I cool. think the sequel to the documentary has to be like a futuristic fiction film about an alien encountering that music. That's the right. next step, guys.
0: I don't know if it's a chip. Sorry, Josh. I don't know if it's a chip or what, but this alien to be drinking coffee and the chip is going to land in their coffee. <laughs> That's how it's probably going to
2: happen.
3: <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. On that topic, IP rights, royalties, licensing, these have all been... Pretty significant topics in NFT land of, of late. Curious, do you plan on selling the Mafia documentary to top tier streaming services like HBO, Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, Apple, Disney? What does that process look like?
0: I was fortunate when I was growing up in New York, as I mentioned, my best friend for one year was a guy by the name of Andy, and we connected. And then I moved to Texas and we lost touch. We reconnected here in Los Angeles, probably 35 years later. And he's a movie producer. He just did a movie with Matthew McConaughey and his brother has a deal at HBO. He's a deal Netflix. So he signed on when I showed him, you know, I've been hitting him up since we reconnected, read this book. What about this script? No, 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 no. And I'm like, well, you know, I have this doc I'm working on. I know you're probably not interested. And I played him a little bit of it. And he said, He was blown away. He said, this is something I can help you with. So Andy signed on. He brought another friend called Michael, who's really big in the doc space. So um, Andy Mike are my producers. And instead of going directly to Netflix, they said, look, let's go to the festivals. We'll drum up some buzz for the movie and hopefully create a bidding war. So that's the plan is to go to a, a top tier streaming service, but his story will pretty much, I believe, sell itself.
2: What's the earliest that we'd be able to watch this?
0: Well, the way it sort of comes together, if we submit to, let's just say, Sundance in the deadline of September of 2022, they will premiere it in March of 2023. So it looks like, you know, even if we go to South by Southwest, Merman's plays at South by Southwest every year. We also went to, well, since Jazz Fest was canceled this year, Mm -hmm. we still went to New Orleans. And uh, you want to tell them real quick about, like...
1: The Square? Yeah. First of all, when I came to US. We did a lot of tours, bus tours. We were playing for Change Band. Every time we went to New Orleans, the food in New Orleans felt very, very Congolese. And then I heard about the Congo Square. And I was like, why Congo? Why not Nigeria Square? Why not Senegal Square? Why Congo Square? Then I did my research. Apparently there were some, the French people were giving the slaves one day to, I mean, to share their traditions. Right, on like from Sundays or something. On Sunday, they will share, they will express themselves, they will do their dances, they will do all their stuff. And that happened in that spot called Congo Square. Then I was like, why Congo? And then one of the guys was, like, well, they probably came from the kingdom of Congo. And then when we went, I was very, very anxious to go to see the Congo Square when we went with Jesse. And then we took some pictures. In front of an artwork, where there are people like playing drums and then ladies singing and stuff, and then where I sit in front of this figure right behind me, if you look at the person and you look especially the nose, I show it to my family. You know, I show it to my family. I send it to my family, and they say this is definitely a come on, this guy right behind you there. You
4: know, beautiful. <laughs> he looked wow. like me. Yeah. Yeah. The question is could Jesse blend in with that? That's what I wanna know. Cause
0: I I mean, <laughs> have you heard me play music? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You don't want to hear me play music.
4: <laughs> New Orleans is a beautiful place and that's a really wonderful connection there. It's so beautiful to be there and see all of the ways mm-hmm. that music is intersecting and, and growing and changing, you know, throughout history through through New Orleans. Oh going back to something that you guys said earlier about merman's story kind of telling itself and selling itself and all these things and I think just one thing to highlight here we'll, we'll be wrapping up the questions here but he's earned it right I mean it, that's what's interesting about a story like merman's like you can't make up stories like that you have to live through stories like that and clearly there's a lot of pain and struggle and you know disconnection and false starts and misdirections and it's really beautiful to see that culminate somewhere and be able to tell that story and share the good and beauty that comes out of that. So you deserve every bit of it, merman So we appreciate you. I wanna go back a little bit to the topic of NFTs here and get to know your guys' opinions on other projects that you look to for inspiration as you build your NFT project around the film.
0: As I mentioned living in Venice Beach, my neighbor Seth started bright moments. Um I think, you know, Seth was my paddle tennis partner all through COVID when he was building out the actual gallery right by the Venice sign, Josh, as you mentioned, right by Minati's, he was walking me in and saying, I'm thinking about starting an NFT gallery here. And I didn't even know what he was talking about. I didn't know what NFTs were. I didn't know how it tied into art. One of my early inspirations and continue to this day after I minted crypto Venetian and a crypto New Yorker. And then the whole aspect, I mean, I think Seth is ahead of his time with wanting to mint IRL. No one is, everyone has been stuck behind their computers now with the virus and and COVID spreading. Minting in real life and meeting all these people that that are in this community and seeing all these cool, interesting, hearing all... These stories. So that has really been like the biggest inspiration for me. So we are looking to do a live Mint and MoFIA performance from Venice Beach. We just had to postpone the date. It was supposed to be Wednesday, the 12th of January. But since uh, the rampant COVID spread right now, we just thought safety would be the number one Thing to be thinking about. So, we're going to do a live IRL mint in the middle of February. I believe it's like a couple of days after Valentine's Day. So,
4: we've seen the growth of Bright Moments from its inception as well. It's been quite an interesting journey, you know, to be lucky enough to see the minting of crypto Venetias. And then I see here August 25th, not that. Long after the launching of Bright Moments, Fred Wilson of Union Square Ventures sending 500 ETH to Bright Moments DAO and getting back 1 million Bright Moments tokens, basically making an investment in that project of huge proportions. That's like $1.5 million yeah. at least. Yeah,
3: I have dabbled in paddle tennis, Jesse, but I may need some lessons because it was much harder than it looked. Yeah,
0: it's a lot of fun. It's a cross between ping pong and tennis. So if you've ever played either one, you're already a step ahead of the game.
4: Hey, real quick, check this out. For those true fans who pay close attention to Edge of NFT, we're experimenting with some fun new rewards. You can get a free POAP NFT, that's a proof of participation NFT from us by going to our Discord, edgeofnft.com slash discord and reaching engagement level six by January 31. Log on now and get started. Go to edgeofnft.com slash discord. Jump in, have fun, learn something and get your free POAP NFT. There's only 50. Also, if you're the first to get one, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast.
2: We'd like to shift gears a little bit though and get some answers from a personal perspective on a set of questions we like to call edge quick hitters. There's 10 questions we ask every single guest that joins the show about these. We look for like single or fewer responses, but there'll be a couple of spots maybe where we uh, indulge and and dive a little deeper. You guys want to dive in and have some fun? All right, sure. (laughs) All right, let's do it. Question number one. We'll start with you, Jesse. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life?
0: I used to collect baseball cards in New York. The New York Mets in 85, 86, they won the World Series in 86. So I think the first thing I bought was probably a Daryl Strawberry baseball card.
2: Solid, man. Yeah, I think I definitely have a few of those floating around. 86 <laughs> tops. Come on, I know that exactly. card. Exactly.
1: Yeah, they yeah. have of those.
2: <laughs> nice. Uh, Mafia, how about you? Uh, I bought
1: a small tin of condensed milk. I loved it a... so much when I was a ah, kid. Ah,
2: there we go, yeah.
1: So the condensed milk was very sweet, and then I would just take it, and then I was on my way from school, I remember. That was like a grade one. Yeah. On the way back, I bought in a small store on the way back home. Then I used my pen, put two holes on it, so I hit it with the air, and, I ate it, and then I was just sucking it.
2: yeah man those sweets are hard to get away from (laughs) let's do question number two okay what is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life jesse the
0: first thing i remember selling was bubble gum i would buy a bag of bubble gum and then for like about a dollar and then i'd sell bubble gum for five cents at my elementary school
4: Mafia, how about you (laughs) would you be willing to include like a stick of bubble gum with each of the crypto mafias just curious (laughs)
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yes. It's
1: only IRL. the IRL got his job. That makes beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, Well, s- selling. First of all, I'm very bad in selling stuff. I sell stuff in the price that you want. <laughs> <laughs> nice. My brother that died, that was shot, he used to do mattresses. So he kind of... Told me that's when we were like 12 years old, something like that. He told me I'll do mattresses. Hmm. That should be the very first thing that I saw with him because he actually sold it and then gave me money. But he was the one that I kind of made. That was probably 1983,
2: 84, something like that. Question number three Jesse, what is the most recent thing you purchased?
0: The most recent thing I purchased was an NFT. I am fascinated by the market and tracking projects and watching communities grow. The last thing I bought was an NFT two nights ago. I actually bought a Bored Ape Kennel Club. So it's not that innovative, but I really like the community um, and like where it's going and what they're providing for their members and the people who are part of that community. And it's also inspiring to me to see where they have going and how much they've grown.
2: Mafia, how about you? What is the most recent thing you purchased? I purchased the pliers. Question number four. What is the most recent thing you sold, Jesse?
0: Most recent thing I sold would be an NFT. This is these are easy questions. These are like a slow pitch. You look uh,
2: right. We're getting, we're warming you up.
0: I had a crypto pill. Have you guys heard of the crypto pills? Yeah, so I sold a crypto pill.
2: If I, how about you?
1: Last time I sold something that's probably five, six years ago. Well, when we went to. The Congo,
0: Murphy was giving things away. Well, okay. So give, he, give. he gives his family and his, his community I am like, floored by how much he gives back to his family and, and the Congo. And he's constantly sending money and gifts and I cannot send.
4: It reminds me a bit of the culture at Burning Man. You know, a lot of people think it's a trading right culture. Like, oh, I have two flashlights, and you give me a cool well, mask. Stuff like that. 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 Yeah, it's but stuff it's like that. but it's not. It's a gifting mm. economy. Nobody you're mm-hmm. not expected to make trades. Everybody's just expected to give things to everybody else and you shouldn't expect to receive anything, right? Um, So it's an interesting concept and it takes a lot of folks that have that attitude like Merman does to get together and make that actually work. Question
2: number five, Jesse, what is your most prized possession? I'll show you. This is part radio. Daryl Strawberry 86 Tops? What is it? Oh,
4: nice.
0: She is a uh. rescue from Venice. Um, she's a koala <laughs> carrier. And, you know, she's definitely my most prized possession.
3: I've but. seen her around town, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> She gets around.
0: So for anyone who can't see what she looks like, I was inspired by Toto from The Wizard of Oz. She's kind of like a scruffy little version of Toto. That's actually one of my favorite films. And she's my girlfriend. Yes, and she loves me.
4: There you go. Well, be careful. If you're tempting too much here, Josh is just going to run over there because he's obsessed with dogs. (laughs) He's a dog lover. Mafia, how about you? What is your most prized possession? My wife and daughters. I have three daughters and
2: one son and my wife. They are Mm -hmm. the most precious people. Question number six, Jesse, if you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service and experience that's currently for sale, what would that be?
0: If I could buy something, I would buy more time. There's so many things I want to do and I feel like time goes by so fast. I want to be here when the sun burns out. Let's put it that way.
2: How about you? If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service and experience, what would that be?
1: I'll buy a big land where everybody can feed it. (laughs) (laughs) Where, Where would you want that? Anyway,
2: anyway. I want to come to that party, man.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Will you play music there? Oh, yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah, Yeah, buddy. Question number seven. Jesse, if you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would that be?
0: I think follow through. I used to not be like this, but I used to like kind of work on a project and leave it halfway and say, yeah, this is not going anywhere. But, you know, when I right around when I turned 30, I, I literally just told myself, you know what, from this moment on, I'm going to finish everything I start. And if I could pass that on to my next, my kids or next generation, just to finish things that they start, see the finish line, it's pretty important.
2: How about you, Maffei?
1: Confidence. Confidence and self-trust. Just tell yourself, "Is you matter, I matter too. Self-confidence, yeah. Yeah. Most Super important. Is, yeah.
2: Question number eight, Jesse, if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? Procrastination and looking
0: at mindless social media posts and just <laughs> kind of wasting my time on things that don't matter because now more than ever, we need to be really aware of what does matter. And that includes things like our planet and people and relationships and taking care of you know the ones we love. So I, sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but that's kind of my... Sorry. Distractions. No, no.
4: Yeah, which yeah, is yeah, actually yeah. goes well with your personality <laughs> traits. That that there, yeah. <laughs>
1: that's
2: it. Mavaya. if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would that be? People complain about me, like
1: I'm like a yes, yes kind of guy. I say yes to almost everything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Which I don't think is wrong. They say I'm too selfless. Like, I don't think it's wrong.
2: It's interesting, too, to just look at it up from the perspective of what other people view in, in yeah. through their eyes, you know, but but conviction and confidence yeah, it comes through. That's for sure. Question yeah. number nine. Jesse, what did you do just before joining us on the podcast?
0: I was actually on a Zoom call with my editor, who's in Boston. So fortunately, we have post-production funds to help us find an editor, which we found. And we have been working together about four weeks now. So I was just on a Zoom call with him, kind of nice. um, up on, on where we are with our edit. Beautiful,
2: beautiful. Exciting times. Mafia. how about you?
1: I went to Home Depot and bought the Play. That was
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> Got the throwback to the flyers. Nice. nice. Number 10. What are you going to do next after the podcast?
0: Since Mofaya is here, I'm going to, you know, we might have to translate. I don't know if he has time, but we need to translate some of the French. They speak French in the Congo into English because I don't speak French and might do that. Or maybe we might grab a coffee.
2: Mofaya, how
1: about you, man? I'm going to see an auto electrician for my car.
2: I love it, man. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, thanks so much for indulging us here with Edge Quick Hitters. That's a wrap on that. And I guess that's really a wrap for the collective show. I mean, we really appreciate everything you guys have brought to the table and shared with our listeners today. So many cool things, so much opportunity for impact in the world through what you're doing. Can't wait to see what comes from your collaboration. We want our listeners to make sure to be able to follow you, though, and be part of your journey. Where should they go to do that?
0: On Twitter, we are at Crypto Mofias. And we will have a website that will be active any day now called cryptomofias.com. And then if you just Google Mofia, the documentary, you'll see we were accepted into the International Documentary Association's Fiscal Sponsorship Program. And you'll be able to read up a little bit about like more things about the doc and our roadmap. But just getting into that foundation was was pretty big accomplishment for the movie. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: We also have a, a little giveaway for our listeners as well. Do you give a little background on that bad boy.
0: We're giving away some crypto mofias, some NFTs to your listeners. I think we have reserved ten, and then also wow. if whoever owns a crypto mofias NFT, they'll be entered into a drawing to win a Gibson Hummingbird acoustic guitar, Ooh, and yes. that, attached that will be. I haven't even told him that this yet, but a 30 minute Zoom music lessons with MoFia. Yeah, man.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. nice. that's a nice one. I like that. That's for if sure. If okay. you can find the time. If you can find yeah. the time. No. Right. That's cool. So keep an eye out on our socials for information on how to participate in a contest for that amazing giveaway. We really appreciate it, guys. Well, I think we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs for today. So thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on the starship. So invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. And remember, we always invite you to co-create and build with us at Edge of NFT. We're unlocking a whole new way to connect and collaborate with us through our own NFT drops, spirit seeds leading to living tree NFTs, which light the way to our event, NFTLA, a -a one-of-a-kind immersive and unforgettable experience at LA Live in Los Angeles, March 28th to the 30th. Check it out at nftla.live and move quick on early bird tickets as they are now live and selling out quickly. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective when deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go, just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.